Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the drink talking with the thinking drinkers, Ben McFarland and Tom Sandon. And mistress of wine, Sam Capon. All the booze, news and views. From absinthe to Zinfandel. Popping your cork since July 2017. Hello everyone. Welcome to It's a Drink Talking. I'm joined as ever by my lovely teammates, Sam Capel, Master of Wine, Mistress of Wine. How are you mm-hmm. doing? Very well, very well. You? I'm doing very well. And Tom, you're wearing a scarf indoors. <laughs> I'm wearing a hat indoors, mm. but that's because my hair is in a terrible state. <laughs> but talk me through the scarf. I just forgot to take it off, to be honest. Oh, right. <laughs> that's <pretty laughs> you're wearing it in a cool way. Very, like French, very French. I'm just, yeah. I just tied it like that. And nice. That's, yeah. It's good. That's it, yeah. yeah. Very, um, not a fashion choice. It's pretty nippy. That's clearly not that. That. Uh, no, <laughs> says the woman with three cherries on her. You look like a fruit Wait. machine. Um, <laughs> ding, 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 jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> they are across her breasts. Listen. Yeah, how seedy. <laughs> yes. So anyway, let's move swiftly on because uh, I'm hosting it. It's the good week, you lucky people. And uh, my spit or swallow or. is as follows. So my spit this week is regarding the purchase of. Dark Star Brewery by the Fuller's Brewery. Dark Star Brewery in Sussex. Mm-hmm. Was, oh, we're in Sussex, you know. The Dark Star originated in Brighton mm-hmm. and it's in Partridge Green. I imagine that's quite near where you live. Must um, be. I think it's near Grinstead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's a million miles from me. I think it's about 20 minutes. Did yeah. You shouldn't really give your address out, Sam. It's I haven't. No, <laughs> no, no, there'll be some, I imagine you'll get some stalkers on yeah, this. Yeah. So. I'm all worried about you. Yeah, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> those <laughs> cherries. Oh, those cherries. The low-hanging fruit. <laughs> um, oh, uh, that's, that's not very polite. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I, I was, was talking being, about was, the... Uh, I was sexualising her. That was, <laughs> come on, it happens to of us, gravity gets a great fruit. Unpleasant man. What's wrong with him? Carry on. Oh, oh dear, taking it too far. Anyway, the Dark Star Brewery in Sussex was recently bought by the Fuller's Brewery in Chiswick, which strangely connects two rather big periods of my life because I grew up in Chiswick and I went to university in Sussex mm. and drank Dark Star when I was a student. When did they launch this? Mid 90s. Really? They've been, so been around, around that long. Yeah, yeah, but they started off at the mm. Evening Star Pub in Brighton, which is if you come out the station, yes, it's mm. a quite a sort of granddaddy looking pub there, but mm. it's actually really good. They were quite sort of pioneering in their time. They were, their brewer at the time was a guy called Mark Tranter. 
who's moved on to Burning Sky. We've talked about Burning him Sky, before. great beer. So yeah. they, anyway, they were bought 100% by Fuller's. And whenever a big brewery or a bigger brewery buys a smaller brewery... Uproar. There seems to be a level of uproar and criticism and... Sort what, of what, so it's like consolidation. Well, it was just it's this idea lack that, of identity. That, that, um, mm. that these big bad breweries are going around, you know, snuffling up the little snuffling ones. up the little ones just to shut them down and all that kind of stuff. And there has been a lot of history of of that. And to be fair, there wasn't as much uproar with this purchase because Fuller's have a track record of doing the right thing. Really, they also do. I, I tend to think of Fuller's as an original sort yes. of craft brewer, yeah. I suppose. So and don't they well. have their own pubs? Is yes. that right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. They're yeah. Actually, they could probably maybe just wanting it to, and actually they can aid distribution. And yeah. So, um, and it yeah. wasn't a hostile takeover. It mm. wasn't like they just came along and said, right, we're putting a bid in and your shareholders are going to sell it from underneath you. There's, they had one owner and he obviously was like, yeah, yeah. go on then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show me um, money. Because it, Dark Star found themselves in a position where it's a really tricky sort of middle ground in which they operate is they've been around for ages so they don't have the sort of benefit of being a new cool kid on the block um they don't do these wacky craft beers i mean they were one of the first people to do american style fruity aromatically hopped IPAs. i'm not sure i've ever had one i'm gonna have to dig one out oh, are they wa- relatively um, widely available yeah hop well no around your way they'll be everywhere yeah. Hophead is their big one sunburst is oh, another they must one it in my local pub. they did an espresso stout which I remember drinking, but I don't know if that's still part of their locker. But anyway, they are, they're really good beers. Mm. Um, if you go to the Harp in Covent Garden, it's a kind of unofficial sort of tap house in the capital, which and then you can get loads of their beers. So they've been around for a long time. They've got a good solid footing, but how they grow is difficult because there's huge competition in the market. There's so many new brewers coming along. People are coming into pubs looking at Dark Star, Hot Pen, thinking that's a good beer, but I haven't tried that. I'll have mm. that instead. And so it's just a shock of the new means it's sort of becoming increasingly difficult for brewers like that of a certain size and a certain age to keep going and or indeed grow. So they were looking at crowdfunding, they were looking at lots of different options, investment, getting private investors. But then when Fuller's come along, they know the business, know how to grow a business, have probably made all the mistakes that they were about to make. It makes sense. And Dark Star Hophead is a lovely really nice fruity pale ale real easy to drink sort of 3.8% you'll like it Tom it's kind of mm. that very easy drinking no I do I know, I know they're a bit well I've uh, been down to Brighton yeah fairly regularly in my life they are the go to beers down that yeah yeah world. along with Harvey's they but, don't make it that far up in I'm now north of London they don't you don't see them so no. like you say in terms of a reach if you want to achieve the reach but what what, what that beer fillers should allow. give them right? that, what, yeah. yes but yeah. what they give fillers is a beer that and from a flavour profile, they don't really cover with their beers. So they've got pride. They've got they've got lots of different beers, but Chiswick, you like Chiswick? Chiswick. Well, that's quite exciting yeah, as well because they they think that all that will um, preserve it. I don't know if it is connected, but Fuller's also apparently building a a sort of pilot brewery as well, where Chiswick will be brewed on, right? Because it has to be served fresh. So they had a trouble with the sort of the big production. Some of it wasn't being drunk fresh so it has been saved so Chiswick mm. Bitter which was under threat is going to be saved everyone, I know that probably doesn't matter to so the vast majority of listeners so this is the reason it's a spit yes why is this your spit that's uh, exactly what I was going to ask because you're spitting at the hoo-ha not at the takeover yeah I'm spitting at the hoo-ha and also I'm a bit worried that I don't care about it as much <laughs> as other people because there seems to be this idea that 
and I know people get attached to breweries and beers and the people that make them, but the vast majority of people that get bought or that get sold or taken over, they're doing it by choice. And there's some hostile takeovers. I remember there's a beer writer much more mature than us who's been around for years called Roger Protz, and he's a brilliant writer, very passionate about the industry. And I remember once reading his thoughts that when you lose a brewery that you, you're affiliated with, it's like losing a member of your family. It's not. No. <laughs> it's not. Unless you, that member of the family is a complete yeah, yeah. dickhead, yeah. I wouldn't be that bothered. I mean, I think of the beers that I like drinking, and I think, well, if it was taken over by someone, yeah, I would probably be a bit disappointed. And it might be, says more about me than than anyone else, but I just don't really invest in that the breweries emotionally, emotionally in it. Yeah. I like the flavour of the beer. I like drinking it. If a bad brewery changed it and made it a, a much less flavoursome beer, I'd just drink something else. It's yeah. not something... There's and enough it, different beers out there to And also all on, these people who are sort of up in arms about these purchases, do they buy stuff from Amazon? Do they wear night trainers? <laughs> are, do they go shopping in their Do they go shopping? I mean, it's this idea that big corporations are bad, which might be valid, but it's no worse than... In, mm. in other things than beer and most people are in this to make money and if someone's invested put their house on the line their livelihoods on the line to build a business and build a brewery and at the end of it they want to sell it they are not why sell why the hell well, not there we go um, well, well lucky him he's got the cash in his pocket yeah uh, well I'm, no, he's I'm, carry on he's, I'm jealous it, so that I, I don't imagine so are you as well yes we're trying to shut you down alright no well I feel very passionate about this yes. so alright the next one what's your next one <laughs> Chinese New Year it's a year of the dog. <laughs> Again, not <laughs> even sure that's the right country. Um, it's Kung a, Fu, yeah, that's a good question. It's Where the, did uh, it originate? I think it might have. Yeah. Hong Kong? Hiya! Hong Kong Fu, he was a Kung um, Fu, wasn't he? So Great Dane walks into the pub, right? Yeah. Says, I'll have a pint of lager and a packet of crisps. <laughs> Bartender says... Why the big pool? Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. You can actually hear jokes like that in our show yes. at the Underbelly in London on the uh, 14th of April. We've so, actually got yeah, a yeah. joke of that nature yeah, yeah. in our show. But it involves a wolf. So there we go. So it is our joke. Anyway, um, this was sent to me by Sam, thankfully, because I had nothing else. There's a place in uh, Portland, in Oregon. Love that place. Fido's. But it's a new place that's opened. It's a, both a tap room and a dog shelter. So it's like Bassey Dog's Home. The founder is called Scott Porter. Oh, See? Look at that. Nice. Uh, he's a local business owner and dog lover. And he came up with the idea when he visited a cat cafe called Purrington's. Mm. And so basically he's done the same thing for dogs but with beer. I think there's um, one in London, a cafe. You can basically go and pet cats while you drink your tea. Yeah. yeah it's a bit random. Not quite it's almost a shit yeah. gold donut. Um, so he's... <laughs> he's, he's, he's so it's basically a big drinking hall, right. and there's loads of sort of poor old little doggies yeah. uh, knocking about. But they um, can they you have... take one home with you, or do you just like, give? I wonder no. if you just give money to help. No, fund... no, no. They, they, it's not like no. I mean, if you want to actually take a dog, it's more than just going. I'll have that one <laughs> and walking home, shit face. Get home and you've got to wake up in the morning with a yeah leash in your hands and someone oh. licking your face, which has happened to me before, but not with a dog. Um, anyway, this place, it's like a big drinking hall and it's got 40 rotating taps having beer, wine and cider, but it's got canine artwork and it shows dog films. Okay. Mm. Plays dog videos. This stuff like, stuff like The Beagle Has Landed, Donnie Barco, <laughs> Bridge, Donnie over, Barco. Bridge Over the Rover Kwai, <laughs> Star Paws, Mutter Do About Nothing, 
<sighs> so carry on. There will be bloodhound <laughs> bitches of Eastwood. One hundred and Dalmatians and three men and a little rabies. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> and they've got food, dog food, to chow dog down themed on. food oh. dishes to chow down, including chicken noodle soup, kimchi wawa, deep fried collie flour, quarter hounds of cheese, and smoked salmon and cream cheese beavers. <laughs> we also use those <laughs> in, in our show. show. Yeah. <laughs> Just to, again, give you an indication of the sorts of comedy yeah. you would expect to find if you go into our show. Oh, Ben, I can't believe you trawled those out. Yeah, I know. I think all good pubs should have a fire, and a dog, snacks, and a dog, welcome, and a dog. Yeah, but if maybe. you've got loads of dogs in there, I was in the uh, Nero this morning, no. you know, having a coffee. We and don't three... need another Nero. I don't know. I don't mind Neros. Costas—they're the ones. We've got one in our village now. We've got two Costas in our town. What Have the hell's that one? We've got a tiny village. We've got one. They're, They're taking over the home counties. Yeah. I've got no, a question no. for you two. Go on then. Do you turn up to the podcast together? You always turn up at the same time. Do no. you meet en route? We, no, no, we bumped into each other. We did just bump into each other today. Last time we were in the cafe first, working then? before we oh, came here. Because yeah. okay. it was an afternoon session. Some of us have got jobs, Sam. Yeah, always working. <laughs> Excellent, well done. Uh, you're hosting. I'm taking. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Probably because he's right. not getting on Dogs, with it. Yeah. <laughs> Dogs and takeovers. That's that licked. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to It's the Drink Talking. Right, we're doing a tasting now and... Can I just comment on the bottle? Well, wait, wait, wait. So we've uh, recently come back from Mexico. I don't know if <sighs> listeners know this, but we're pretty big deals in the uh, drinks world. Uh, <laughs> and um, Tom's going to talk through... Tequila! Tequila! Etc. Yeah, and in fact, we're going to, we've talked about tequila on our show already. But what you'll find with us generally is we like to repeat ourselves. And also, with all these spirits categories, there are areas you can explore beyond just the standard. And now we're going to start going into tequila variations. So we're going to have Blanco today, and then uh, we'll probably jump up to... And Yeko, because I think we had a Reposado in 19. So you can move around the categories and learn a bit more. So you lucky listeners, it's time for us to get a bit more into tequila. And yes, as Ben said, we've come back from Mexico. We went there with uh, Cask Liquid Marketing and Ocho Tequila. So we had the Ocho... 
Reposado, and now we're going to have the Ocho Blanco. So in that podcast, Sam, mm. we actually convinced you mm. that tequila... Wasn't heinous. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> we used Ocho in that instance. And we used an aged eight weeks and eight days aged tequila, the Ocho that we tried there. And now this is not aged in any way. So now we've got you interested mm. in tequila. We've taken away Question. the cover of ageing and got to the basics. I have to admit, I did have, I might have mentioned this before, a coffee tequila. Mm. Yeah, that would not be a tequila in the sense that <coughs> it's probably a very low ABV and it's been flavoured. So right. a form of agave spirit. If you are buying Patron, agave Patron. spirit, Patron. Patron, mm. yeah, others are available. Cascabel do a very nice coffee tequila. But if you're buying agave spirits, here is what we would say. Mm -hmm. If you want to know that you're getting agave spirits, buy 100% agave tequila. Oh, look, this bottle has it on it. It Single has to state have it on there. Tequila, what's Ocho. that called? Ocho. Ocho, yeah. 100% para agave. Yeah, they're, Made using, from agave. they're using agave. And uh, it's also engraved with his name on it. Yeah, it's got my name on it. That's very nice of uh, the Thank distillery Thank you for coming to, to visit us, it yeah. says, Tom yeah. Sandham. Ben's got one as well. It's a beautiful distillery. and um, We've talked about Carlos Camarena, the distiller, on previous podcasts as well. So tune in to The Legend of Liquor to hear more about Carlos. And he makes this. Now, as we've said before about Ocho, they use agaves from single fields. They're the only people that do this. They're the first people to actually write on a label of the clear terroir of the of mm. the agave plants and what is stunning and the reason we're bringing it back in is because now we've been we've actually tasted these next to each other the same product from different fields is remarkably mm. different um, now we got the las aguillas plateau or blanco tequila with us today and that comes from a very high part of the region that they operate in whereas if you taste it next to something that comes from slightly lower appellation mm. It's an entirely different spirit. So it really, it really makes a huge difference. We're lucky to have the Aguillas because that comes very high. And um, as a result, there are a lot of sugars in there. So this is a really, this was very sweet tequila. And we were drinking this responsibly, responsibly excessively. Yeah. <laughs> so I've a got week. a question. It's a bit of a silly one, really. But before doing this podcast, my pretty much own experience of tequila and a lot of people's experience of tequila is doing shots of shit tequila mm, in the mm, pub yeah. with salt and lemon mm, yeah and it's so weird because i smell this and i have to really like try and shut those memories down yes, yes. like and then part of me thinks that actually i don't know why uh, that you a, have salt and lemon with it because i don't think it does any favors like, i can almost if i'm smelling this i'm trying to smell the tequila and enjoy it but I'm literally battling back memories of... Uh, our yeah. olfactory memory is... So the, at the top of our, our nose, you can actually touch your brain, which is why mm. scent and aroma is so mm. closely linked to memory. And tequila is, is a perfect example of this. It, it attaches itself to those memories. And we really have got to cleanse the mm. entire population. I feel I need to be hypnotised to get rid of that idea. Now, when I smell it, because we've mm. just come back from there, Ben will be the same. We, You've got a great memory We of it. are getting the memories yeah. of great Mexican food, being in a toilet for <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a memory of my friend Rachel barfing on my shoes. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's, it's a very yeah. unfortunate reality of what we're, we're up against here. But you've had bad tequila. And mm. when we talk about the big producers and what they actually did with tequila in the, in the 80s and the 90s, there have been spells where they have used anywhere up to about 20% agave 
sugars in their product. So at 20%, so 80% of it would not have been agave. It would have been sugarcane, potentially. And is that, so is that legal? It's legal. You can call yourself a tequila mm. a mixto with 51% agave sugars. There were times where the rest of it would have been other agaves other than blue agaves. Now it's just pure so sugarcane. Sugar I mean, our advice, I think I'm right saying, Tom, would be if you want to taste the best tequila, there's a couple of exceptions to this rule, but avoid mixto tequila. Always go for hundred yeah. percent agave and, and, tequila, and you're to drink straight. It's not like whiskey. We, 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 we put say, water in. Or... Um, when it comes to spirits, what I would say is this: spend a bit more money, learn a bit about what you're drinking, and then, in the first instance, try it neat, mm. because that is where everything. Is. That's the essence of in. what this is. Come in. on, let's have a go on this. So La Aguias means uh, the eagles, and actually, they've recently seen. Carlos, again, back to his biodiversity, they've actually seen these very rare eagles starting to circulate around the agave fields again for the first time in, in a long time. 257 metres above sea level, so it's a very high altitude, and because of that, they've got lots of lovely, rich, sweet agaves. And we compared this to the, I think, the La Rivera. That might be something I've tasted before, but that was 1,650 metres above sea level. Brown soil versus this rich red mm. soil. It's just incredible. Just completely different tequilas when you try them next to each other. So it really works. It's also very important to talk about terroir in tequila, to give it the same reverence and appeal as wine. They've been inspired by that idea that you take grapes mm. from different fields and you're going to have a well, different Well, as you were saying, wine, so so how, how important the altitude is. Yeah. That is a component of terroir. Yeah. How but, hard you know, soil, things have climate, to work. Yes. Yeah. All the I mean, as you're travelling through the region, just as you do when you drive through Bordeaux or in other wine-growing regions, you've got rows and rows of this blue agave of different sizes, growing at different stages. They're all being used for different tequilas. It's not until you go there and just see how long these agaves mm. take to grow and to harvest and the way they're the way they are harvested and produced the actual distillate it's incredible that it's then being dismissed mm. elsewhere as well this, actually it's clearly is, a massively artisan historical yeah, especially especially ocho because mm. in terms of the production he does use stainless steel distilling as well as copper and he uses a slightly different method of crushing the agaves not the tahona stone for this because he's looking for a very clean and honest expression of the agave itself but they're all still very traditional and I think what you end up with is something that you're sipping that you know I am battling slightly against my historical mm. memories but if you have a little little baby sips yeah. you know I'm not retching or, no. or you know it's actually it's okay ringing endorsement uh, no but I'm being serious <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I, yeah. literally, I literally you cannot drink tequila. No. I cannot drink it, and um, it but really makes me feel. Not, it really, really mm-hmm. do not like it at all. However, I am literally sitting here yeah. sipping it. it. You know, it's got some nice sort of structure. It's got mm. some nice texture. I do struggle to find flavours. I might be able to add a pop, say fennel or aniseed or okay. something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, but um, white pepper in now, yeah. I think. Yeah, but it's I, quite you know. sweet. I find it. You know, there's a vegetal hit on it, but it's, it's really rounded. The mouth oh. feels. I mean, this is a blanco. You know, this is potentially the harshest expression of tequila. This is yeah. it, it without any wood cover at all. And yet, I find it rich. There's so much going on in there. It's incredible tequila. And 
Well, I mean, we were drinking this with seafood in mm. a restaurant, and it went blindingly well with it. But and there you've got your salts coming off the food there so to d- go nicely okay. with the. So why historically, when you do a shot in a pub or whatever or nightclub, why historically oh, I think in, it's over here? It is a ritual. Do do it? I mean, the flavors that you combine it with are flavors that are present in Mexican food. So things like lime, you know, yeah. got lime, they put lime in their beer. So they're the reason that these ingredients have come together is not completely <laughs> accidental. The ritual is something we have created in this country. And interestingly... So. We never see it in Mexico. Um, no one ever oh, talks that, about That's it. what I mean, I think. And also, interestingly, there's something I was reading once, and it's basically saying, if you flavour balance your meal then your wine will go better with a dish. And so if you think about a lot of things like red meat or anything like that, certainly in France and whatnot, they'll serve a sauce with it, for example. Right. And often that sauce will have in it, and will have salt in and might have lemon in it. Yeah. The whole idea being that salt and lemon can soften wine. Mm. And if you have a, you know, a meal and it has a, a steak that's seasoned or you have something in it with lemon, then actually generally if the food is balanced, your wine will be improved so maybe there's some kind of yeah, rationale well, I think that every lemon mouthful, and salt will every mouthful something. you want you want it to be different don't you, you want to have a different flavour experience so, well that was tasty thanks yeah, introduce tequila and also it. just a quick thing on the, on the Blancos like you say Tom it's considered the sort of entry level style of tequila and people often think that Reposada and Añejo are more complex and interesting because they've had ageing. Whereas Ocho Tequila, because they're really trying to express the character of the different fields, mm. they're not interested really in ageing too much because yeah, yeah. you have the wood overpower- overpowering yeah. it. Yeah. But they do have a reposado. They do, and an añejo. Go back to 19, because we talk about that a bit in in there, and because they they age it for eight weeks and eight days, Mm. as we saw, and the wood is quite old and tired, so they don't have massive influence, like Mm. you say, Ben. So it's a great producer. We've talked about them a lot, but what was interesting going away with... um, the guys who took us was they there representing Ocho, but actually they took us to another distillery. And so we're going to taste another tequila from the Fortaleza distillery, which is based in Tequila Town. And I thought, is it actually, actually called Tequila Town? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. In fact, there's a discussion about what came first, the spirit or the town, which Thank I have to you. say, I'll take my hat off to anyone who takes you away on a brand trip, and I'm afraid we do go on them. And takes you to competitor. But then takes you to competitor. It was yeah. amazing that they did that. And this is a fantastic tequila, and it will retail for about 60 quid. So it's the sort of luxury end of it. Quite different. They smell quite Very different. different. Very this different. This is it. This is it. It's, it's remarkable when you mm. start tasting a different... Now, styles and variations. Oh, so this is more How vegetal. Different. Okay. Mm. Well, we got well, to meet the no. creator of this as well, uh, Guillermo Eriksson Sousa. So Sousa might be a name that's familiar to you if you know anything about tequila. Sousa is a, one of the bigger brands. He's fifth generation, so his great-great-great-grandfather mm. uh, started the Sousa distillery. Well, more importantly, he was the first person to take tequila outside of Mexico to export it. So he took tequila to the world. Very, very important character in the history of tequila. But they actually sold the business. And I don't know how much you'll remember Guillermo, Ben, because... <laughs> What's it there? <laughs> he didn't make the sit down with, uh, with Guillermo. <laughs> he, he was sitting down, but oh, it's more lying on, the on a bench, but then on the toilet. No, yeah. that was yeah. the um, that was on yeah, the Wednesday, the and um, I had food poisoning along with another guy on the trip, and um, I just passed out on oh. a bench and. 
kept getting woken up by the distillery dog licking my face, yeah. which is it's a real low point. But I was gutted because I, I know that these guys are very good and I wanted to go around and see it all. But if you've got food poisoning and you're feeling awful, a tequila distillery, I'm telling you now, it's not the place, not the place you want to yeah. be. My word. Well, Guillermo, who you didn't meet, is a really great guy. He's an American, but he's uh, part of the Salsa dynasty. Um, his father was Norwegian, in fact, and his mother was part of the Salsa family. And he was away at college when his grandfather decided to sell the Salsa distillery. Uh, obviously, as the heir to the throne, <laughs> Guillermo admits he was not seen as the uh, natural successor when he was getting battered and chasing women in California. So uh, they sold the distillery. He was pretty gutted about it, though, and they kept hold of one part of the distillery, an ancient part of it, and some of the land. And so more recently, he's gone back uh, in the 90s and he reinvigorated this old part of the Salsa distillery. He's got a boiler in there which dates back to 1903. He's resurrected this very small site. And again, this is a guy who's doing everything using very, very traditional techniques. Now, we haven't got, we've got a small sample of the uh, Fortaleza today. If you see a bottle of this, I highly recommend buying a bottle of it. It is tasty. It's a beautiful Mm. bottle as well. They hand make the lids, which are the wooden agaves. Incredible. We saw them hand making the, the actual lids. But they used Tejona to crush the agave, they use uh, stone ovens, they do all the traditional things. And when they first distilled this, it came off the still, they had a plan for it, but they tasted the, the tequila and they decided that they weren't going to do anything to it. So at 44, 46% came off the still and they bottled it and charged 60 quid for it. So it is, it's the <laughs> sort think- of luxury end of it. And bartenders do go crazy for this and I can see why it's very flavourful what we've noticed there is just how different they are Mm. so if you think tequila's all the same (sighs) it's not true Mm. Um, so no that's great stuff so Fortaleza and Ocho Ocho. both of them available on whiskeyexchange.com so go out and start loving tequila again nice one thank you Tom now Sam yes uh, this is section called Legends of Liquor it's your turn it's better be good otherwise everyone is going to be very cross (laughs) Okay, so my legend of liquor this week is a guy called Robert Parker. Oh, he's the one with the scores. Uh, scores mm. on the doors. Oh, scores okay. on the doors. Okay, so you know who he is. Yeah. Tell me you're looking a bit blank. Peter Parker. No, no, Spider-Man. no Spider-Man. <laughs> Can I tell you what I think of him without knowing anything yes. about it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> does he not have an, uh, an exaggerated hold on the wine industry? I mean, does he really know that much about it? I think he does now. All yeah. oh, right, okay. <laughs> Right. That's fair to say. Yeah. Well, he's a legend, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm Should we listen to can him? Can I just tell you what I yeah. think about him? I reckon he's a, quite a legendary character in the world of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he is, and I think he's quite a divisive character. So he's a, basically an American wine critic who was a lawyer originally, but got into wine and decided that there was no easy way to work out what people thought does about he, wine. Does he know what he's talking about? Well, he does now, because that was like that was in the 70s. He's Jesus basically man. 70 now, and just sort of starting to retire. He's just sold his business right. for 15 million. Okay. So yeah. that would suggest he knows what he's doing. Now, can um, I just say yeah. one thing? He could have sold it for a lot more had he done this, because him being a wine expert, mm. I imagine he, he pours the wine, he gives mm. a swell, and he smells yeah. it, and then gives his opinion. Yeah. He should have been called Nosy Parker. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's you know, the thing that's silly though is, that would be is um, let me go to the beginning. So basically, this guy Robert Parker is American. He was a lawyer, and then he started writing his own 
Notes and Critiques called The Wine Advocate, a bi-monthly magazine. And it was doing so well after a few years. In the early 80s, he quit law and went in to do this full time. But what's quite interesting is he's had a massive sort of amount of influence on styles of wine. And so famously, his palate likes kind of oak and alcohol and quite rich sort of supple wines. And he's been accused of making winemakers change the style of their wines to appeal to Parker and Parker's palates and whether that's lead to sort of homogenisation of wine styles and whatnot. And, you know, if someone gets a, a high Parker mark, the price of their wine will go up because oh. people will buy wine according to what Parker has given it. Really? It is quite interesting. So, um, I mean, um, his nose and palate are insured for a million dollars. Nosey Parker. Nosey Parker. Yeah. But yeah, it's this whole 100-point scale and he's particularly famous for rating Bordeaux wines. Bordeaux is his big thing. And yeah, and apparently it's led to a change in sort of viticulture and, and uh, styles and techniques to provide these very kind of opulent styles of wines. Does he have any stake, any skin in the the wine game because no. I would have thought that if, if that was me I'd open a vineyard because all my well, wines again, would Well again you've got to be really careful not to have a conflict of interest and then you know I think he might be friends with so and so and so and so but no I mean basically Parker is arguably the most famous wine critic in the yeah. world and particularly in America and Asia according to a Bordeaux shipper quote unquote the difference between a score of 85 and 95 points for one wine is equivalent to 6 to 7 million euros like they can charge yeah. so much more for their wine if they get a high parker score and it can multiply the price of a wine however having said that one year parker gave um, a very high score to one wine and all the other critics didn't, and that didn't affect, you know, like all the like, okay. you know, Jancis and all so and other other critics did not give one wine a high score. He was the only one who did, and his high score completely on his own outside other critics will not have as much okay. influence. That's but good. it's just That's good to it's know. just extraordinary. So yeah, he's seventy now. He has sold the wine advocate. He's still in the wine game. Is he a nice chap? Have you met I've him? I've never met him. Do you often agree with him? Are you uh, you, are you know in what? tune I, with his palate? Bordeaux or? is not my area. My, That's an oversight. Surely yeah. you should have really made yeah. that. Well, now he's sold it. My, no, yeah, I mean, really, involved. my um, bread and butter is commercial level wines, and that's where right. I think it's interesting. What is interesting is I went to um, a tasting a couple of weeks ago of iconic white Bordeaux. So we're tasting white wines from Mouton, Margot, some really snazzy wines. And it's just very interesting to suddenly be in that sort of arena and tasting yeah. sensational wines. What did they think of you? I mean, did they ask you to leave? Did they just... No. Think, oh, who's this scruffy no. cow? It's just very interesting. say more canapes, please? No, it was a seminar. Did you nick but, any? Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> but it's just very interesting. That's not really... You know, I've never gone to Bordeaux and done the on-premier tastings. Or oh, really? Like, no, that's not kind of what I do. Mm. But just to finish, what's quite interesting is the wine advocate is Robert Parker... Robert Parker is the wine advocate. So, so then to, to sell it for $15 million to two to? blokes in Singapore. Is his name Robert Parker? No. <laughs> That's and then, and then just like, what are you going to do with it? No one's going to be interested in wine advocate mm. unless you have someone whose palate you're following and you trust yeah. and they give you the That's scores. May I suggest, Sam, mm. that this is your opportunity to, to email them and say, look, 
Yeah. I'm the person behind the uh, brand. I, yeah, do I, need to, I work I very closely with yeah. Aldi wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried this? Um, then to finish, interestingly... Happy finish, come on. Back in the box. Literally, <laughs> because he's so powerful, apparently two chateau owners offered him the sexual favours of their daughters wow. to review their wines dowry, well. Dowry and, territory, uh, and less happily, he has received death threats. Oh. Really? Yeah, yeah, because he's so powerful. Wow. What did he say to their offer? He's a happily married said, man. No, no, don't kill me. Yeah, don't he's got. Um, <laughs> don't shoot me. He's got one daughter, so he. Um, right, so. I think he's keeping his millions in the bank um, to look after his daughter, and you know he's just he's now retiring. And he's doing all right. He's well, doing all right. That's totally changed my view of him because I, for some reason, just thought. No. <laughs> well, like I've never met him. He doesn't. I think he's got a bit of a reputation. Anyway, so that <coughs> is my legend liquor. Without a doubt, a massive, massive legend. Whatever people think of him, the one and only Robert Peter Parker. Nosy no, Parker. No, no, Peter Parker. Peter Parker. <laughs> Parker Penn. <laughs> right. Well done, everyone. I think we uh, did that very nicely and swiftly. Um, it's been one of the best ones ever. I'm sure everyone will agree. Thank you very much for listening. We're going to be doing more of the same again next week, where I'll be joined by Sam and Tom. And also, oh, before I go, well done, Tom. He's giving me the uh, show. The show. Uh, <laughs> be professional. Yeah. We've got some shows. We've got some shows coming up. We've got the 15th of March. We're doing the sessions at the Museum of Comedy. 17th of March, Chipping Norton in the Cotswolds are doing our show um, there. Um, and then on April the 14th as yes. well, we are going to be playing the Underbelly in London on the South Bank. Please come along. It's a massive theatre, 400 people. Philip. Um, and yeah. we're, Bring we're, all your mates. Yeah, bring all your friends. Your grannies, read, your read colleagues. All, read all our stuff there. We've written in the Telegraph recently. Read our stuff there. And Sam, what are you up to over the you coming telly, weeks? Telly box? Um, not in the telly box. I've got Edinburgh... And uh, I'm going on a little champagne trip. Oh, nice one. Yeah, yeah, Verfley Co. Oh, very. Mm -hmm. Madame Verfley Co. Nice one. All right, folks. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Bye. See you later. Bye. This was a Grand Cru podcast from Seven Digital. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.